it's not that black folks just get sicker. It's because of these circumstances we're put in positions because you are in those jobs where you're having increased opportunities come into contact with other persons to be negatively impacted. So I think COVID is just showcasing those social determinants right now. Hey family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all. Hello, my name is Michael P. Coleman. I'm content director and lead writer for Brother Be Well. I want to welcome you to the show today. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the myriad of mental health challenges that come along uh, with the global COVID-19 pandemic for individuals and for families. And we've got two very special guests to help us talk about that. Um, One is a a well-known friend of yours, I'm sure, Sheree Kreiner. She's the vice president of the Capital City Black Nurses Association. Sheree, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. Great to see you again. And we've got a relatively new friend of us here at, at Brother Be Well. We've got a marriage and family therapist, uh, Christian Jacobs. He and I had a conversation a week or so ago, and I feel like he, I don't know if he's my friend or my therapist. We had that kind of connection, so I had to bring it back. Christian, welcome back to Brother Be Well. All right. Thank you for having me. It's really nice great to, to have, really great to have both, both of you here. We got some heavy stuff to talk about, so let's get right at it. Um, and let's start out talking about, you know, we're talking about COVID and people of color. And, you know, let's start out with essential jobs. Um, People of color tend to hold the majority of those jobs that are deemed essential with this pandemic. Uh, Very simply put, I'm wondering if people of color and men of color, just by by merit of that, if we've got more to worry about than our white colleagues. Um, Let's start out with you, uh, 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 Christian. What do you think? Do we have more to worry about? Do people of color have more to worry about here? Yeah, what a question. Yes, um, there, there is a little bit more to worry about. You know, um, many men of color work essential jobs and do not have, you know, a lot of the options that uh, many of their white counterparts have. And yes, we are more susceptible to COVID due to pre-existing conditions that may lie within the um, African-American community, such as, you know, diabetes, um, obesity, um, high blood pressure, et cetera. Um, but just understanding that, you know, there's several different factors that play into um, uh, why uh, African-Americans are more susceptible. Um, first of all, you know, we're, we're majority of the essential workers on the lower um, lower end of the totem poles, as they may say, you know, um, some of the essential workers are um, individuals of color. So you have the custodians, you have the individuals who do not have the options to work from home and telework, um, which most of their counterparts are white counterparts, for example, may have some of uh, the jobs that do allow you to work from home and telework. Um, also, in, in addition to the inability to um, be able to telework um, and work from home, um, certain individuals you know, have to deal with the uh, structural and institutional racism um, that may occur within that workplace. Um, this impacts your mental health as well, and it also increases the levels of stress and anxiety. Um, so, and, and then thirdly, you're also looking at the, the, the point of transportation. Um, studies indicate that um, many of the uh, COVID-19 uh, transmissions uh, come through um, public transportation and people of color rely on public transportation in high, highly amounts uh, where COVID-19 um, may exist. So, um, so you have transportation, you have employment, and you also have structural 
and institutional racism that play a part in the, in um, in this uh, factor. So I think that's uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna summarize all those great points, Chris. And you say yes, we've got more to worry about. Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. How about how about you, Sheree? What would you have to say? I could see you nodding, so you agree. Oh, absolutely. I think Christian did a great job describing all of those social determinants of health. And unfortunately, that's where we are. Are there any biological differences of people amongst the different races? No, race is a social construct, but absolutely because of the structural racism and the access to resources, we do find persons of color on the end of not having enough or overexposure, right? Because you are in those jobs where you're having increased opportunities come into contact with other persons. So more exposure leads to more risk. So unfortunately, there definitely is a risk because of that. And it always kind of breaks my heart when I talk about the social determinants of health, because it's not that Black folks just get sicker. It's because of these circumstances we're put in positions to be negatively impacted. So it's really those social determinants of health that are impacting us during COVID and everything else for that matter. I think COVID is just showcasing those social determinants right now. Wow, I think that's spot on, spot on. You know, as this virus, we're talking about this pandemic and as, as it rages and it's gone on far beyond where any of us wanted to be. We all thought we might be in a different place today. It is what it is. We're, we're at where we're at in this thing. But as it rages, it's got a lot of us worried. Uh, some of the, the, the stats I, I came up with getting ready to talk with, with you guys, 53% um, of adults in the United States report having had a negative, uh, their, their mental health negatively impacted. 53% say that today. And that's versus only 32% in March as this pandemic was kicking off. Um, are you seeing an increase for both of you, an increase in, in the number of patients, clients that you have that are suffering from the effects of worry in addition to um, the reported increase in the virus? More and more people are getting uh, infected and more and more of those people are getting sick. Are you seeing more and more people that are dealing with those stress-related, worry-related health problems? Um, actually, we are in general, and it's kind of like insult to injury in communities of color, right? We already are disproportionately impacted by chronic stress due to everyday life. And so now we have an additional stressor, not only being worried about the virus, but the other impacts it has on our life, on our health, and our day-to-day -day needs. So we are definitely seeing this being a compounding factor to patients that are coming in seeking um, care, as well as patients that are not coming in seeking care because of the worry of coming in contact with other persons or not leaving their home. Um, even when they're having symptoms at home and may need to actually be seen, there are some people that are um, have an increased fear of coming into contact with the virus uh, during hospital interaction. So you also have the stress of that. It's really, it's kind of like compound stress at this point. It's like stress upon wow. stress, um, which is really creating this chronic stress situation for people that we see manifest not only from their mental health, but also their physical health. It's kind of like, you know, we're meant to be in fight or flight um, for specific circumstances, but it's kind of always releasing those stress hormones consistently. That's not the way the system was built. Um, so we're overworking the system. Um, our, our, our stress response. Wow. Christian, what about you? Number of patients you're seeing, clients you're seeing that are just, that are worried about the virus. Often 
um, some of the symptoms, I think, of COVID and, and the physical manifestations of worry and stress might mirror each other. We'll get to that in a second. But are you seeing more patients that are coming and saying, I'm scared to death of this thing? Absolutely. Um, I, I think the majority, um, the, the majority of the uh, increases of uh, mental health conditions are really uh, twofold because you see, you see the adult population and the youth population. And within the adult population, you see an increase in you know, depression and really, um, uh, increasing of isolating um, self from family and friends and detaching um, individuals you know, from their family and also having a negative self-talk. So what you're seeing, you're seeing um, people back, kind of back into um, the mental health portion of being affected. So they they notice that they're having more negative self-talk, more hopelessness, being more moody. Um, the not individuals are working from home now. They're maybe staying in bed a little longer, waking up a little later to go to work, you know, and then now that goes, oh, I'll wake up at 9 a.m. Oh, I'll, I'll wake up at 10 before you know what they're sleeping for the whole first half of the day. So people are really backing into being aware of these symptoms uh, from especially depression and men can sometimes look a little different in women, you know, the tearfulness and excessive crying, loss of desire, things of that sort. Um, but also the anxiety and, and generalized anxiety disorder has also um, really been um, prevalent in terms of um, the diagnosis um, within youth and adults. And really within youth, it's interesting because the, um, Substance abuse has really been uh, very prevalent amongst the, uh, the youth population, um, whether that's alcohol use or uh, cannabis use. Uh, so that's also another uh, thing that's uh, really coming forth. And also, uh, the youth witnessing more domestic violence cases. So now individuals are home more often. So these fam- so now the, the children are, are being able to witness what's going on, the family structure of what's going on um, uh, within, within mom and dad. Um, also an increase in child abuse cases, um, majority over 50% of um, youth access mental health services through their educational institution, through schools, through after school programs, through the teacher noticing that there's a, a concern. Uh, so there's no school right now. So how um, are these children accessing services? So that's also been a, a really challenge. Um, and also in terms of reporting a lot of mandated child abuse reports, those come through um, educational professionals. So if that component's not there, who's reporting these cases that are ongoing within the home? Mm-hmm. Excellent points, Christian. And, and I, I hadn't even barely begun because my own children are adults now and out of the house. I can't imagine, hadn't even thought about right away that that added level of stress for the kids in the home. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about a little bit. We touched on it a second ago, but let's talk about the impacts of worry and stress on the body. I, I alluded to it before. I, I think maybe some of those symptoms can mirror each other. And I'm wondering if that makes it harder, if I'm right about that, if that mirroring makes it harder to diagnose and treat patients who are infected by the virus. Maybe, maybe um, Cherie, you could start us off there. Um, do the symptoms appear similar? And if so, does that make it harder to get at, at the problem? So if you think of symptoms kind of like fatigue, headache, some of the generalized symptoms of uh, COVID-19, yes, those are some of the same symptoms you could have from your stress being exacerbated or um, just other types of ailments. Um, I feel like the CDC guidelines and all of the institutional guidelines in our community and the healthcare community have really led us to be able to identify and test and appropriately treat um, patients with COVID-19. So I think it's, there's a pathway to getting 
proper diagnosis and treatment. But I think the personal component, um, could you sit at home and psych yourself out? Or could you feel you're having symptoms or, or what we'll say in the medical community, like psychosomatic, that you are perceiving that you're having symptoms that you may not be physically having or that cannot be assessed by a medical professional. So those things can particularly happen. Um, and it results in people getting tested multiple times because of um, worry and stress and feeling that they do have the virus and they may not have had the virus or even been out of their home. Um, and that utilizes resources. So that definitely can happen. Uh, but I feel like in the medical community that, um, especially from the beginning of the pandemic till now, we have more information and we have a handle on um, properly identifying um, those that do have COVID-19 and then moving forward with the proper instruction from there. And we're guided by it. And, and it's dynamic. Things continue to grow and change as we get more information, as more research is done. Um, but could it confuse the patient that is at home thinking about their own symptoms uh, and when they should call in um, and or seek help? Um, absolutely. So I think they have to use their resources um, through their health institution that they're um, they're connected with. And when in doubt, please call. We'd, we'd rather figure it out than you have uh, COVID-19 and then also be around others and not socially distancing and, and doing all those preventative measures from spreading it. So um, while it's okay to find out, it's also really important to find out those types of symptoms you should be looking for and when to seek uh, care from a health professional. Uh, excellent, excellent uh, perspective, Cherie. Next question is, is for you as well. I've got two back to back for you. Women mm -hmm. with children under the age of 18, I'm told, are more likely to report the negative mental health impacts that they're suffering than their male counterparts. That's mm -hmm. that's um, not so surprising to me. Um, one might assume that a lot of the children are in the in the primary care women. Schools are shuttered. There are a lot more children being homeschooled, and most of that child care tends to fall on women in the home. Um, I want to check in with you guys and say, do your ask rather do your professional experiences back that up? Are you seeing women that are really facing the brunt of some of these stressors we're talking about? Um, Cherie, I know you've got children at home, or at least I believe you do. So let's let's talk about. Your, your home environment, and then maybe what you've seen in, in, in your hospital? Um, absolutely. I do have uh, children at home. I actually have a 13-year-old and a 16-year-old, um, one middle school and one high schooler. Um, and they did have to make the transition. It was very um, stressful on all of us. And um, one thing I could say I'm really grateful for, and I can appreciate my, my own privilege of my situation. We don't have food insecurity. We don't have home insecurity. We don't have, we're not experiencing joblessness or being displaced. I'm in a position where I can work from home. I can also um, go into work. We have all of those necessary tools to be successful. So even though we did struggle initially getting going, um, as well as healthcare and mental health services um, for not only myself, but my children. Um, and even with all those resources, it was still difficult to navigate initially until we got into a place where we're at our new normal. Um, and it made me really think, I can only imagine um, people that are dealing with the not enough situations or don't know how to navigate the system. I mean, it's really hard to get mental health services right now. Even as a person with insurance, there's delays mm -hmm. because there's been an increase in people pursuing uh, mental health services across the board. So I would say that um, you definitely have to um, change your mindset when it comes to a new normal. 
um, and really focus on, um, you know, one of our techniques at home is just specifically being practicing gratitude each day about the things that we do have. And then mm-hmm. also taking our mental health seriously um, and talking to our mental health professionals when needed. Sometimes the children don't feel as comfortable talking to the parent. So making sure there is a pathway um, for that, um, especially the kids that may or may not know they want to talk to someone, maybe introducing the idea um, because you don't know what can come from that. Um, and then also, I think just reevaluating the structure at home, whether it be um, a woman or a male or, or any person that may be outside the nuclear family. I know all family structures are different, but really understanding what that new normal means and reevaluating what's really important. Um, things I thought were so important before are not anymore. And I've really focused more on those things that do keep us happy, healthy, and whole as a family. And I Mm. think I've been also preaching that um, when it comes to educating patients and also as a leader in in my work, my health care organization, as well as uh, with Capital City Black Nurses Association, really leaning into treating your mind, body, and soul during this pandemic and getting back to those basic needs um, so that we can realize what's really important in the situation so that you can get to a level that is um, healthy for your family. So I would say um, that's helped me personally coping professionally. Um, I've seen it across the board. I don't know that I've personally seen women more than men seeking help. It's really a um, an outcry of help from everyone. I will say the positive thing that I've seen is more people, there seems to be a decrease around the stigma of pursuing uh, mental health services. And now there's, there's apps that you can use if you don't want to go through your regular pathway and other community resources. So I feel like more people are talking about it and seeking it. Um, I've had patients come in with suicidal ideation. They may or may not have a plan. And I've been able to go across the hall to our um, psych department and get someone to talk to them on the spot and help them. Um, And and there's been more situations like that where previously maybe they wouldn't disclose that to me um, at all because that's not what they're there seeking care for. So um, I I feel like there's more conversation around it. And um, as much as it's the sadness of people um, needing to seek more mental health services, I think the silver lining in the situation is that more people are taking advantage of those opportunities and realizing the importance of um, mental health. As I mentioned to you before, Michael, it's just as important as your uh, your physical health. It's your brain. It's a part of your body. I wish you could put a cast yeah. on your head when your yeah. mental health wasn't well so that people would treat you the same way if you had a physical um, you know, ailment in another part of your body. Absolutely, absolutely. I remember that that early conversation we had right after yeah. I met you, um, Cherie. And um, you know, we've we've talked about you know, it's the brain is absolutely a part of the body, and it's so good to hear that the, the some of the stigma is going away. We at Brother Be Well are committed to that, to kind of removing those stigma and and making sure that we can discuss all of these these different issues openly and honestly, and then get the treatment that we need. This has been the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. Shout out to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. And don't forget our goals to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. If you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at Brother Be Well or email info at brotherbewell.com. Click the subscribe button right now. 
and plan to join us next time. Until then, be well, brothers. Be well, brothers.